Charles Noe. All right, man. Welcome to Pro Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 477. Jason Lingren is with me and Mr. Curtis Collenbach returns. I don't know if he'll dig that, Mr., but I just gave it to him. <laughs> <laughs> at, at any rate, he hasn't been here for a long time. Just so you know, if you go to the website and you mouse over the full episodes, right below it is find a show. On the right of that search, you can use a guest name. On the left, you can use keywords or a number. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I think Kurt's done between eight and 10 episodes with us. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And an annoyingly chilly good morning. I don't even know what to say. It's 60 degrees here and it tried to snow last night. It's just bizarre. But welcome back, uh, Curtis Kallenbach. Yeah, been a long time. It's been a long, lonely, lonely, lonely time. It has been. What's it been? <laughs> two years? I don't know. My God. I don't know either. I'd have well, to do a search to know. Going really fast, though. You know, it's gone really fast with all this this nonsense going on around the world. So it does feel like time. You know, I, I think normally people feel like the older they get, the quicker the time goes by. But it, it just feels like there's an accelerator on the ground right now. But let's uh, let's jump in. I guess we should probably start with your book by the time uh, this episode comes out. It's about three, two, three weeks in advance from here. Your book will be ready. So clue us in. What's the book about? Why'd you write it? Who's it aimed at? Actually, this particular book isn't really a book by most people's standards at this point. I had sent a book called Darwin Meets God to the publisher, uh, I don't know, six months ago. But I did a podcast about five months ago, and the information in that podcast was so crucial to what people need to hear or people need to know or people need to use that I, I transcribed, uh, I did a high-level transcription of that podcast and called it right-of-way and sent that to the publisher. Now, the reason I did that is because the book itself, Darwin Meets God, has the facts of life beginning at fertilization, but right-of-way is a witness speaking truth at a level that probably could be used in any court case as the witness, because everything in right-of-way applies to every living, breathing being. So imagine having a tool for 50 bucks, let's say, having a transcription that applies to everybody that negates the fictional jurisdiction claimed by the court based upon a decedent birth certificated estate. Imagine having something tangible that you could put into a situation, a true tool that you could put into a situation to negate the tool that they created, the birth certificated person itself, and terminate the fictional realm entirely. Well, that's what right-of-way does. So we better do our due diligence. Rose just pinged me. You showed up on episode 183, 188, 195. Now, for everyone listening who doesn't know who Kurt is, you should go back and listen to what we've done. Among the most important things anyone has ever seen said to me on this program, on this podcast, was Kurt. And he basically pointed out a thing I already knew, and I never really thought about it. You are not alive for the first time when you take your first breath. You've already been alive for months, close to nine months for most of us. In other words, 
when your parents' genetic material comes together, a zygote is the beginning of life. And for people who are hearing this for the first time, just consider some of the ridiculous political arguments, like the Democrats always saying things like, well, we, we can't exactly determine when life is life, you know, with the abortion argument. Um, it's pretty simple. It happens at the zygote. Now, there are countries in the world. I have been there. South Korea is one where when you get together in a group, they determine how old you are because they do an honor system there. The oldest person gets a little more honor than, you know, a married person, a little more honor. But when, when I was there, I noticed they were counting their time in the womb. They were adding a year, basically. So when I would say as an American, I am one, someone born exactly when I was born would say, I am two. Which one of those two descriptions is more correct? Not the American one. I had forgotten that the gift of life had been granted to me nine months prior to where I began to count it. And so this leads into why birthdays are done and all these other things. But there's some of the backstory for Kurt. So now getting back to what you just said, Kurt, what is the tool that you're mentioning that would preempt? And you know what? I guess I should say one more thing. Kurt just pointed out that there's a death certificate, basically called a birth certificate, that creates all the fictions that bind us. Binds us. The problem that they have, according to Kurt, is that that's done when you come through the birth canal and take your first breath. Actually, it's done a little later than that because that goes up to the state in most cases, and then it's done. But what Kurt said is, I've preempted all that. You jokers can't pin that on me. I was alive nine months before you did this nonsense. All right. Is that a good enough cue up, Kurt, to bring people to speed? Yeah, I think that once people recognize that there is no discrepancy between, we'll call it, and the an act of God or creation itself, which is fertilization. When, the, when sperm meets ovum, that's the creative process, that's creation, that's an act of God, which, by the way, an act of God is not an insurable position. So the entire world that is run on insurance no longer has you um, subject to that insurance policy, which is known as public policy. So think about this. If you are a product or an act of God, a product of an act of God, i.e. fertilization, then you cannot be an insurable character. That's brilliant. It negates negates the insurance program altogether. And I'm calling it a public policy. And think about all the people that are being subjected to public policy um, because of compliance. Stop resisting. Stop resisting. That's called compliance. So if you're not complying with public policy, it's because you are being subjected to an insurance policy, an insurance program, insurance plan that is not um, applicable to a living, breathing white man. Oh, did I say white? Oh, crap. I shouldn't have said that, should I? Well, you can say that all day long. Here, go for it. I'm white. I know, but here's why. Well, actually, white is a very specific term biblically. To be white, the, the concept of white, in fact, I, I didn't want to have to do this, but I'm going to have to go to my computer today. I, I'd like to stay away from this as much as possible. But biblically, white it is right here color of white in the bible and this is pretty interesting for people when they finally get it it says appearances of the color white white or its variations in the king james translation occurs 79 times it's the most frequently mentioned pigment in the new testament but here it goes and in the word of god as a whole 
Let me say that again, in the word of God as a whole. The word of God as a whole is both Old Testament and New Testament. That's the word of God as a whole. So if you negate or if you leave out the Old Testament, W-H-O-L-E does not apply. If you only use the New Testament, W-H-O-L-E does not apply. Meaning that the whole living being, which begins at fertilization, in the womb is Old Testament, out of the womb is New Testament. If you do not apply all or both books of that, that story, then you are missing something. And that's what I'm getting at. The white man is the breathing man. The white man is the one that began at fertilization. The person of color is the birth certificated decedent estate, which is the Black Lives Matter, the decedent, the dead, whatever, the world of the dead. That's why Black Lives Matter has jumped up so fast, because it's about the world of the dead. So let's be clear here so people can keep up. Basically, one of the suppositions Kurt's laying down is all law is derived, uh, actually almost everything in our world, particularly in this part of the world, is derived from biblical ideas. It's why there's a Bible in every courtroom reflecting the actual highest court, which typically gets ignored by most of us. If I just heard you correctly, white is used as a descriptive uh, in a way that we don't use it. In other words, it doesn't make a damn bit of difference where you were born in this world or what the pigment of your skin is. If you were created by God and breathing, then that definition of white fits you. Is that what I just heard you say? Yes. White is spiritual or breathing or inspired from, from origin, from the beginning. The beginning is fertilization. The person of color, the birth certificated person of color is separated from that being through the cutting of the umbilical cord. So what I'm getting at is white man, the only one that has any rights, the only one that has access to the bill of rights, because decedent estates don't have access to the bill of rights. The bill of rights is for living, breathing people. So imagine a second amendment claim coming from a birth certificated person claiming a birthday doesn't apply. Decedent estates do not have access to the bill of rights. So anybody using the birthday, the birth certificated person in any capacity does not have access to the bill of rights because it's a decedent estate. Dead bodies don't have rights. Simple as that. So let's just clean up here. So in case there's any dim bulbs (laughs) listening that are going to scream racial epithets, what was just said is the definition from the Bible for the idea of white applies to everybody. Yes. If you are alive and breathing and created by the creator, it does not matter if you are African-American from Fiji Islands, from China, it doesn't matter. That definition that Kurt just supposed is applying to everybody. Now, the decedent idea, for those who have not kept up, I got to do this real quick so people don't get lost. The decedent idea is this. you, You take your first breath. You come through the birth canal. You take your first breath. The doctor's there creating birth certificates. He's taking the afterbirth. This is key in what we're talking about. The afterbirth typically defined as the call or that thing that might cover a baby's face. The umbilicus, the umbilical cord, and the placenta are typically what people think about. We call it the afterbirth. Now, what actually happens, and this is not a supposition, this is actually what happens in the country we're in right now. A birth certificate is made. A doctor signs it. He witnessed you being born alive. That other stuff I just mentioned is weighed and measured and then used as a pretext to take that birth certificate, typically, or at least in my case, 
because I am reclassified. I know for a fact the state made a birth certificate. That's where the trouble started for me. The state made a birth certificate that basically legally made me lost at sea and dead based on the idea that my mother did not claim the afterbirth. And we could get a lot more into why all this matters, but people listening should just have a rough idea. And I may not have hit that fully on the head. As a matter of fact, as I'm thinking about what I just said, the idea expressed gets you where you need to be. But I mean, would you add anything, Kurt, just so people know that haven't heard about this before? Yeah, let me, by the way, that was not a bad explanation. It's just this. By the way, hi, Jason. Um, all, <laughs> <laughs> last time you were not feeling well, and I was just, I was out of control. But anyway, here's what's interesting. Life begins at fertilization. And from that moment all the way to your last breath, let's say 80-some years later, um, I call it the, the expiration. Your last exhale is an expire expired breath and expiration. The spirit leaves the body and does not come back in. Breathing is spiritual. When you breathe in, you're filled with the spirit. When you exhale, you're, you're, you're not. But here's what's un- hard for people to get. From fertilization in the womb all the way to that last breath out of the womb is one biological experience. It's one. But when they cut the umbilical cord, they what they do is they they create a false duality, a, a fictitious duality. The left behind material is still considered unborn. So there's a piece of you left behind that has yet to come out into the present and it's stuck in the past. Kurt, are you saying that that, it, that is the supposition? So I was born, mom, dad didn't collect the afterbirth that was left forgotten, lost at sea, and I am no longer whole. That's the legal fiction, right? Yes, the, the, the separation between church and state begins right there. The church is left behind, and I'm going to explain that right now. The state is the man on the land or the indigenous uh, aboriginal man on the land. That's baby. Baby goes out of the womb, and he gets onto the land as an aborigine or as, as, as uh, we'll call it an indigenous person. In my case, I would be considered a Native American, not an American Indian, but a Native American subject to enter Satara that the Pope laid down in, in 1493. What I'm getting at is that it's a duality. It's a false duality, but we, by claiming the birth certificated position or the birthday, we have agreed to the duality. And then it's just a, it's just a tennis match between uh, who wins. Does the church win? Does the church have access to the, the, your, your estate? Or does the state have access to your estate, depending on which way the wind blows or which way uh, you, what you agree to at some point down the road. Uh, let me let, let me make it really easy. In the womb is unborn. That's Old Testament. Out of the womb is born. That's New Testament. The reality is, is both the Old and New Testament are one story. When they cut the umbilical, they divide it into Old and New. They even have their own calendars. The Old Testament is the Anamundi calendar. The New Testament is the Gregorian calendar that was laid down in 1582. My point is, is that these are two separate realms, but there's only one living biology. Realms of jurisdiction. That's, and the fiction has the jurisdiction. There is no jurisdiction for the living man because 1 Corinthians 2.15 says the spiritual man, i.e. breathing, is to be judged by no man. That's why the living man is not subject to any of this garbage. And let me go right to the Sedeke of I Trust, uh, the 1666 thing that, that England created through the king. This is a really weird thing because what's cut off of you 
is your godly origin, i.e. the church itself. You once were inside covered by this biological material, this membrane. And this membrane is actually the house of God or the ark, the ark of the covenant. You were inside that ark. Think of it either as a boat, as a cathedral. It doesn't matter what you want to think of it as. But you were inside the Ark of the Covenant. And, that's, and you were Noah to the Ark. Well, here's what's interesting about, um, I just went to a case text regarding the Sedic AV, and it says this. The Sedic AV Trust, also known by several other pseudonyms such as Term of Life or Years, the Poor Autre V, the Fide Commissary Trust, the Foreign Citus Trust, or the Secret Trust, is a pseudo form of trust first formed in the 16th century under Henry VIII of England on one or more presumptions, including but not limited to, here it is, one or more persons presumed wards, infants, idiots, lost or abandoned at sea, and therefore assumed, presumed dead after seven years. Additional presumptions by which such a trust may be legally formed were added later, but here's what's really weird about this. Second part of this says the first Sedeke V trust forms were, were through an act of Henry VIII, 1540, and later wholly corrupted, whereby poor people of England, after having all their homes, goods, and wealth seized in 1535, here it is, under the guise of small religious estates. Well, that's the cut. When they cut on, when they cut that umbilical cord and and they take that extra embryonic fetal material that you were housed in, the Ark of the Covenant itself, that evidences the direct link to God, no middleman, the direct link to God, the direct link to creation. What they did is they they call that now a small religious estate, and and that's that's the un, that's the unborn material, that's the cut material left behind. That's that's what is on deposit for this ecumenical economy, this global ecumenical economy is the small religious estate, the cut material that evidences your link to God. That's the res of the trust. And it also has your biology. So now you become part of this collective, this Borg, this religious collective that is subject to punishment based upon that birthday, that certificated person. So let me ask you a question here, just, just because I can. We covered this so many times, so many different ways. We looked at people who were trying to figure out ways to deal with it. And there are many, some much more effective than others. The most basic of which I accept is yours, but your, your solution means that you're going to have to be an adult and work and know how to do things. But so many people have contacted us saying, I just had a new life come into the world and we took the afterbirth home with us. Now, in many cases, we get this thing where they, they wanted us to fill out a form or we did fill out a form, which is, I don't know whether that's here nor there. The point is, is how can the claim ever be made when a parent has done that? When they take their stuff home? So mom and dad have a baby. They tell the doctor, we are taking what we call the afterbirth home with us. As a matter of fact, a lot of people are using older traditions, like burying it under a tree. Some people are drying it and consuming it, which was popular in a lot of places. Um, As you and I have talked about the call or that thing that could cover baby's face, that was people killed to get their hands on those. The point I'm making, mom and dad had a baby. 
They took it with them. They claimed it. They never lost possession. Does the cut still stand for the fiction or are those people technically able to say, screw you? Well, the, the problem isn't what they, their, their action. The problem isn't taking home that stuff. The problem is the parents themselves because the parents themselves are already presumed inside the machine. So everything they produce is inside the machine. You can't, they can't come outside the machine because they have yet to clear up their own problem. So a father, call it sins of the father if you want, but a father that has never fixed his own position doesn't have a legitimacy to that offspring because the offspring is part of the machine. So it doesn't matter what they do or say because they never fix the problem to begin with at their, at their, from their position. So they can claim to be the parent, but they're not. Parents patrie is, the father is the state. The mother is the church. The mom having the baby in the, in the hospitaler's hospital um, doesn't have a claim at all. Again, until we clear up our own mess, we can't make any claims upon the product, our own product. If I am a product, think about it this way. I'm an employee of some company, some corporation, and I have a brilliant mind and I discover something or I, I invent something. If I'm an employee, if I'm on their clock or if I'm on their time, everything I invent belongs to them. And that's the exact same thing here is that if you're a Gregorian calendar birth certificated person living and, and wearing the clothing of that Gregorian calendar, everything you produce your entire life belongs to the creator of the Gregorian calendar. And you're, you're an employee for your entire existence without even knowing it. So wearing the clothes of the, the birth certificated person and then having your wife go into the hospital and have a baby, well, the baby isn't yours either because everything belongs to the owner of the Gregorian calendar. So as long as you're still considered an employee or in the employ of, then everything you produce belongs to the employer. And that's where we're at right now. Let's talk about, you know, you're talking about cleaning up your own mess, just so everybody knows I did. I looked at everything I was aware of from Kurt to the other end of the spectrum and everything in between. And what I decided was I don't want to leave the system totally. I need to be able to function in the private or the public. And I did what I did. I'm not going to get into that. But from your point of view, Kurt, what would be the way for a parent to clean up that mess so that technically or illegitimately, their new offspring can't be claimed by the legal system, basically. What would be the way that two parents get together, say, hey, we're about to have a baby. We want to clean up our mess and be able to hold our ground, defend all our rights, and claim the inheritance that the creator gave to us as basically beneficiaries of this creation, if you want to be honest about it. What would they need to do? It's not as hard as it sounds. Um, a lot of it is just the concept of proof is in the pudding or, or whatever. When you finally get your, when you finally pull yourself together, when you finally recognize the in-womb time and the out-of-womb time is all one time. When you recognize that, I, again, I formulated a very simple statement, all present and accounted for from fertilization to last breath. That statement alone if people understood the power of it, they would realize that the certificated cut, the duality, the artificial duality is negated fairly simple. 
Um, the problem is, is the court of public opinion is that everybody believes the crap. They believe the nonsense. They, they actually will put a mask on their face because their neighbor has a mask on their face. They won't do any discovery for themselves. They'll, they'll not, I mean, intellectual laziness is, is rampant in this place. So what I'm suggesting is just know, and this is knowledge. I'm talking about knowledge versus faith. Comprehension. Well, but the, the word they use even biblically is knowledge. For lack of knowledge, my people will perish. Everybody's dead because they have no knowledge of their godly origin. And, and what's really interesting is even the Ten Commandments is so stinking adamant about this stuff. Um, let me see if I can find a, a really simple Ten Commandments real quick. This is everywhere. These people that profess to believe the Ten Commandments and all that other stuff, they're not following them at all. And, and I can prove it. So what you've just laid down is this is basically from your point of view about comprehension, which I agree with you. If you know the truth and you know how you were granted your gift of life, if you know that your breath is your spirit and that was part of the grant, if you know that you were made beneficiary of this creation, original intention, then you have the knowledge. But I suspect what you're about to say is it's one thing to have the knowledge. It's another thing to conduct yourself and be able to fend off public opinion. That's the problem. When everybody, it's a witch hunt. When everybody is agreeing that there's something wrong with you, even though they're all wrong. I mean, everyone, everyone's wrong. Because if you're claiming a birth certificated character, you're not considered living by the courts. You're not living. The birth certificated person is a decedent estate. It is not a living, breathing being. So by using it, there's only one of two things that can happen because of the duality. If you choose the decedent estate, the living, breathing disappears. If you choose the living, breathing from fertilization, the decedent estate disappears. And this is the beauty. When the decedent estate disappears, you're the owner, as you should be. There is no changing status. There is no doing any of that because reality is reality. Fictio sedit veritati. Fiction yields to truth. Once you recognize and start acting in truth, you don't have to do anything magical. The magic is John 8, 32, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You're already free, but you keep screwing it up by claiming this bullshit position, this birth certificated person, and, and, and thinking that you have to ask permission from somebody to fix it. It's not broken. There's an old saying, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And in Luke 531, it says, they that are whole need not a physician. You don't need a prescription. You don't need to be fixed if you're already whole from fertilization, which means there's no decedent estate. If there's no decedent estate, there's no administer, there's no administration, minister's administrative process to fix you, to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You're already whole. If you're not sick, you don't need a prescription, a script, a scripture. You don't need it. Even Jesus in his own words says that. But anyway, here's what's really interesting is that in the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment says, thou shalt not take or make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. It says, or any likeness of anything. That thing is the cut material. That thing is that small religious estate. And what they did is they cut it off of you and they gave it a title. They gave it 
um, this is, by the way, is original sin. They gave it a position, a character, and that character is a graven image. So people that are using the birth certificate are already negating commandment number four. They're already done. They're already out. They've already broken at least one commandment of 10 right there. And then by claiming a birth certificate character. Now, what's really weird. I'm going to go back to that set by real quick because it says, and you said it earlier, and I'm just going to take a piece out of this. It says by King Henry VIII, this is one or more persons presumed wards, infants, idiots, lost or abandoned at sea. I'm going to go to one USC eight at uh, United States code. It says person, human being, child, and individual, as including born alive infant. The United States is also using this infant, this this incapacitated infancy, this cut material as the in, the born alive infant. And it says that in A, in determining the meaning of any act of Congress, it doesn't say some acts of Congress, it says any act of Congress. So every act of Congress, is using this born alive infancy um, to, for, for its jurisdictional purposes. Any act of Congress or in any ruling, regulation, or interpretation of the various administrative bureaus and agencies of the United States, it says the words person, human being, child, and individual shall include, shall include, that means only include, by the way, shall include every infant member. It doesn't say every infant. It says every infant member of the species Homo sapiens who is born alive at any stage of development. I'm going to have to do this right now. It says infant member of the species Homo sapiens who is born alive. So that means only a born alive infant member is subject to the acts of Congress. Now, here's what's really weird about the born alive concept. And I mean that. I'm going to Black's Law, page 167 right now, out of 5th edition. It says, born alive, this is the definition, being the product of conception, comma. That means it's not the product of fertilization. The born alive infant is a product of conception. So now we have to determine or, or, or define what is conception versus fertilization. Well, fertilization is the creation of your 46 chromosome biological estate. Conception is now defined as implantation into the wall of the uterus somewhere between 7 and 14 days later. What is conception? What is conceived? What is created upon conception is not the same thing that was created through an act of God called for fertilization. So what is created at conception? The product of conception is singular. So when my 46 chromosome zygote, we'll call it, plants into the wall of the uterus, the implantation process alone is called conception. So born alive says being the product of conception. So what is created upon my implantation into my mom's uterine wall? What is created? There's only one thing created at the moment when I plant into the wall of the uterus. I'm already here. I'm already created. So my 46 chromosome biology already exists prior to implantation. So none of me can be party to that creation. I'm already here. So what is created upon implantation? The only thing created upon implantation is the maternal part of the placenta. That's the only thing created. Nothing else is created upon implantation. I already exist. I'm a product of fertilization. But the thing, the thing conceived, the thing created at implantation is 
the maternal part of the placenta. That's it. Nothing else is created. So the only thing that is born alive, the born alive infant at one USC eight is the maternal part of the placenta. The problem with the placenta is that it is viewed as a singular fetal maternal organ, but as a singular thing that's called a tertium quid. If they take it as a tertium quid, as something neither baby nor mom, if they take that fetal maternal organ as one thing, what happens is it becomes subject to one U- or 35 USC 101 inventions patentable. And here's, where, here's what I'm getting at, is the birth certificated person is a combination of my biology, my, my 46 chromosomes, but it's also part of mom's 46 chromosomes because of the maternal part of that placenta. Here's the problem with that. If they view it as a new third thing, neither baby nor mom, a fetal maternal organ, here's what happens. 35 USC 101 says inventions patentable. Whoever invents or discovers any new or useful process, machine, manufacturer, or here it is, composition of matter, or any new and useful improvement thereof may obtain a patent, therefore, subject to the conditions and requirements of this title. This is 1952, by the way. So they are using the composition of matter, the placenta, to give rise to a patentable character. And that patentable character is born to the Gregorian calendar, and you know it typically as the full name or first, middle, last, or the birth certificated character. That is that is the very thing they're using in every single court case. Now, the beautiful thing about knowing all that is that if I remove, I remove my biology from their composition of matter, by knowing the entirety of my biology all the way back to fertilization, what happens is by removing my biology through my, my entirety, all they're left with is the maternal part, and now I'm not trespassing. And that's what right away the book is all about. It's about teaching people or, or evidencing that that is not my property, but I have a legitimate right of way over mom's biology. That's what, they're, that's what they're getting everybody on. They're getting everybody on a trespass or, or a right-of-way problem where you need a license to cross over mom's biology. Think about it. When I'm in the womb between unborn and born, the only property I'm crossing over is mom's. I mean, seriously, when baby comes out of the womb, the only property I crossed, I mean, through the birth canal or anything else, is mom's biology. And if I don't have a right-of-way, if I don't have a legitimacy over mom's mom's property, I can't get out. Think about it. I'm, I'm landlocked. If I'm stuck inside of mom because I don't have a right of way to get out or somebody's claiming a right of way, which is the Roman Catholic Church, they're claiming mom's biology. If I don't have permission from Rome, I can't get out of mother because I don't have a right of way to cross over her biology. And that's what the umbilical cord is. The umbilical cord is evidence of the right of way through the birth canal out into the new world beyond beyond the womb. That umbilical cord is evidence of my right of way, but the, the point I'm trying to get at is, if you don't know the biology, then you're putting Band-Aids over melanoma in, in the legal world. You're not a- actually dealing with the root cause of the problem, you're just, you're just playing games with these people. And I don't, I'm not, the game is the problem, because the game, the devil's in the detail. And, and, the, and the definition of detail is less than whole. Anything less than whole is a detail. 
So the devil's in the details. The cut material breaks up the whole biology, the whole biological estate, and now you're dealing with the devil again. It's designed this way. I, I need to take a breath, don't I? <laughs> yeah, never. Every time I come back to look at this again, when I was doing what I felt I needed to do for myself and my family, the perverse nature of the fiction is just overwhelming. It's like some deranged high school kids sat down to misinform nature. Things are born in this world every day. What they call homo sapien is one of those things. But let's talk a little bit about how the traps are set, because so much of it, as you say, it's comprehension. Do you know where you come from? Do you know what you were granted here? Do you know when it happened? Do you know when the legal nonsense starts in on your supposed identity? But even if you know all those things, the system's going to still try to trip you up. Like, I want the service. You know, I want to drive a car. Well, sure. We'll give you a license. Uh, can we see your birth certificate, please? Trap. By the way, when you get your driver's license, how many people knew that almost in most states that I'm aware of, if you're a male, you're being volunteered for draft within that document. And typically in the upper right-hand checkbox on most of these things, you're declaring that you are a U.S. citizen. Trap. But let's roll it back to something that's quite plain and obvious. So Kurt, I'm the authority. Let's just say I'm the judge and I'm holding a piece of paper and there it is in uppercase black and white, your name. And I'm about to fricking romp you hard. And I say, (laughs) and I say, is this you Curtis Kallenbach? There's the trap, isn't it? That has caught more people than anything, but I think we need to be very clear because it's the same, in a way, it's the same as comprehending that your breath is your spirit. This is the thing that pisses me off, though, because they don't tell you any of this stuff. Of course they're, not. It's they're a trying trap. to get you right. They're trying to get you to acknowledge this and accept their crap without actually you knowing that it's crap. In other words, they're about to form a contract that's illegal by the very definition because a contract requires that both parties comprehend. All that's out without informed consent. Yeah, let's. It's all. It's out the window. It doesn't matter. This the system is going to do what it's going to do. And you're right. It's all BS. So is the whole birth canal thing. How can you take an act of the creator to put a new life in this world and so perversely warp it in a fictitious way? that then binds a person. But to get back to the point, I think it's important, Kurt, that we get people to comprehend a very basic tenet. You are not your name, right? The easy answer is yes, that's true. But here's the problem with answering yes, that's true, is there's a presumption within your question. Curtis Richard Kallenbach is not a name at all. It's not a name. It's a decedent to state title. So the word full name, when a cop says, what's your full name? If you give them the full name, the full name itself, by definition, is the, is the decedent to state title. Um, and and that's, that's already the problem. It's more than just a trap. It's, it's you believing that's your name. Hell, even in the, in the movie The Exorcist, you know, when the Jesuit um, uh, priest is going into the girl's bedroom, he turns to mom right at the top of the steps and says, uh, Mrs. McNeil, what is your daughter's middle name? Because he has to use the middle name to call out the beast. 
So the middle name is the beast in its entirety. So Curtis Richard Kallenbach evidences the dead body or the decedent. So you can't even accept that or even identify with that as a name. It's not a name at all. It's a decedent estate. So there's the technical truth of it, but I'm trying. Well, I know you're going to go deeper. People have to have a starting point and it starts with brilliant ideas. Like, guess what? Your birthday is not when you first were alive. Guess what? It happened quite a ways before that. When that sinks in, people are starting to know something. To comprehend that you are in fact not your name, and we have covered why it's perverse and what the name actually is, like a corporate logo or something. Um, the, the point I'm trying to make here is we could use the example. How many movies have we seen, Kurt, where Native American Indians, as we call them in movies, and a baby is born and mom looks outside where the baby's being born and she sees it, a, a big stag. <laughs> and yeah, two dogs. A, 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 exactly. She sees two dogs and she says, and she recognizes that this new life is in the creation and this happened at that moment. So there's a relationship. I am now going to name this new baby two dogs. Now try to comprehend what a name actually is in our world. And, you know, we don't need to talk about that it's an uppercase. We don't need to talk about that there's a first, last, and a middle. What needs to be comprehended is the way we used to speak. There was a time when I would say things like thee and thou, just that way of speaking is a far cry from where we are now, because in the loss of that kind of what we consider biblical speech, an important idea has been lost. The idea is, is that I am not pro. I am the one. I am an individual. I am a creation. And that's the point I'm trying to make because like the zygote, as a huge idea for an individual to comprehend how the name is employed and how you think it is you is a big part of the trap that we constantly step into. It's interesting. Whenever people are speaking, I'm, I'm capturing certain words in my head. The word American, it implies of the soil or of North, Central or South America, that's an American. So again, uh, somebody from Mexico coming over into you know, Arizona they're still in America. That, that's what people don't comprehend. And now all of America was captured by interest of terror in 1493 um, as through Roman Catholicism. So all Americans are considered uh, uh, subject to interest of terror as Native Americans. So America itself, or to claim to be an American accordingly, is, is actually to subject yourself as a Native to the reappropriation, I call it the misappropriation, because natives, the indigenous persons, don't have any rights. So American, an American by birth, just solely, doesn't have any rights. That's why the concept, when they split church and state, what they have is an American, we'll call it American national. So you have the American, which is the indigenous person on the soil, just solely, but then you have the nation under God, the Christian nation under God. So an American national would be the living being plus his Christianity or that the, the early part of his existence in the womb is linked to God. So an American national would be the Native American plus his forgotten Christianity in the womb. That's what an American national is. That's, but it's still all bogus because it's all fictional. In nature, 
nature doesn't give a shit about the label American. Nature doesn't give a shit about uh, the the nation under God. Squirrels don't care about fictional jurisdictions. Nature doesn't give a rat's ass about any of this. That's what I'm getting at is the Declaration of Independence talks about the laws of nature and nature's God. That's where independence is. It's in nature. It is not in any of the fictional realm. So by claiming any aspect of the fiction, any label within the fiction, you're subjecting yourself to a jurisdiction, a nonsensical jurisdiction. And that's why 1 Corinthians 2.15 is so huge when it says a spiritual man, i.e. breathing, is not subject to any other man. That's where this, I mean, I'm not even a Bible guy. But it makes sense when you understand the Bible is talking about biology on so many levels. That once you once you recognize Genesis small g lowercase g Genesis as the beginning of of life, whereas capital G Genesis means nothing more than a narrative, and a narrative is a story, and it ain't your story. That's the problem. I mean, these come back to the foundations, which I realized right. years ago. There is no lie in nature. Now you're starting to define parts of why that is true. Belief is the enemy of knowing. It is the belief that puts your foot in the bear trap every damn time. It is the offer you are accepting, whether you know you're accepting it or not, it matters not, the trap will close. The problem with everything we're doing here, and it will always be the problem, and by the way, I am of a mind that it is so ludicrous that strategy is built into how this works. You're going to have a number of people that can't imagine that anything we've just said is true. Then we're going to have people, <laughs> then we're going to have people who recognize the veracity of what we have just outlined. And they're going to recognize this is all BS. Yes, you are right. Not only is it BS, it's fictitious BS. Not only is it fictitious BS, it creates contracts where no contract can be creative because there is no agreement or meeting of the minds. You have been fooled. And so when you begin to get to the nonsensical, illusory nature of where we are and you grasp in your mind, now you can start to, I don't even want to say reclaim, Kurt, to bolster what is true. And what is true? Nature is true. And what is not true? Your belief is not true. And what is the highest court? You were created. Every one of you has a breath a spirit. Did you make it? How'd you get it? How is it that you're walking around alive in this place? And this comes back to what so many yogis and other people before the common era got so perverse were about. This is the the idea of fortune in others. I love God with all my heart. I serve others selflessly and I will be the best that I can be as the basis of the narrative to depart the 3D realm. What I have said when I had to finally confront this years ago is every day when I pray, I thank the creator for the divine spark of life. I thank the creator for the free will I have been granted. And by the way, that gives me creative forces. And then lastly, as making me beneficiary of this realm, and I claim those rights every day, and I demand that anyone who would infringe on those rights cease and desist for all time. And the reason I do it is what Kurt's kind of getting at here. Until you change your mind, ain't nothing changing about what's just been defined here. So Kurt, is there anything, if you want to do a, a short response to what I just said, we need to get down where people will be able to find your book. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm going to. 
I have a, something else, but we'll wait until the second hour. But Hosea nine or Hosea four six says, "My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law." of thy God, I will also forget thy children. People don't understand that the law begins at fertilization. The law does not begin at birthday. So the law, the, Theo, God, Theo, God, the law, God's law begins at fertilization and the covenant between God and man begins at fertilization, not at the birthday. So again, by abandoning the knowledge of fertilization and, and going with the original sin of the birthday, you have abandoned God. You've abandoned your direct link to God. Therefore, you need some ridiculous fictional middleman to reconnect you with your origin. And that's what the Bar Association is doing. They're acting as the middleman, the like a seance, they're the medium. They're the medium that reconnects you and that cut material, that lost, that la that lost land, that lost origin. Um, that's that. I mean, that's as much as I could say. And we'll talk about your little scenario of me standing before the judge when we get back. All right, let's do this. Um, Kurt has a new book out. I would recommend that people check it out. Uh, and I'm not kidding. One of the most in your face, obvious things that has been said to me since I've been doing this podcast was that you did not come to life at the birth canal. I'd even experienced the reason why that's true in my life. Never thought about it. I came to be at the zygote. We will put a link to Kurt's book in the top comment under the logged in full version of this because there are no comments on the free side. But as we wrap up our one of four, seven, six with Kurt Kallenbach and Jason, Consider this. Long time ago, before I met Kurt, I was looking at the idea of a birthday. And I said, well, why are we having a cake? Why are we lighting candles? And what really got me is why in the hell are we blowing candles out? Why are we snuffing the light <laughs> to freaking commemorate a supposed entry of life into this world? The more I looked, I began to realize this related to the afterbirth the eating of the cake, there are lines and traditions and cultures that would make the direct link to be what used to happen to the call and the afterbirth and all these things relates to the cake. But what I recognized was it went back to Greek ideas and that that was the moon it was standing in for the moon, which I already knew. And while I can't describe to you exactly why the moon is directly involved in the idea of death and rebirth, what I can tell you is that that birthday cake is related to that. It's why you shut off your lights and then you light up the candles. You're recreating a version of the moon. But why in the hell would you ever blow out, snuff out lights? And that's where it started for me. And then some years later, I met Kurt. That's going to bring episode 477 to a close, hour one. We're going to take a short break, come back. These are good ones that everyone should catch all of them. These are important ideas. And at the base of the ideas that we're expressing, it is demonstrating why you are unhappy in the world around you right now and what gives people the so-called fictitious authority to do things to you. With that, the first hour is free to everybody at crow777radio.com, CRR. OW777radio.com. Members know to come, log in. They get Shoot the Moon for free and comments and everything else, the forums that come with it. With that, I hope to see you on the other side. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher minded new era. Cheers. 
belief is the enemy of knowing.